Oh man, welcome back. Oh, we're back. We're back at this. Oh well, welcome back to Brainy Days. That is. Yes, welcome back to Brainy Days. It's been a minute, but we're here. It has been a minute. It has been a minute, and we're gonna keep coming at it with a lot of really cool material. Hopefully. Are you ready to uh, make everybody's rainy days a little brainier again, Paul? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Today I'm going to say yes. Ah, oh, sweet. Yeah, he usually <laughs> has a very similar reaction where he just doesn't answer me. And then I just put the intro music on. <laughs> All right, intro music now. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. <laughs> So hello everyone. Hey Paul, how have you been doing? Um, I'm alive. <laughs> I've, I've been doing okay. He's been kind of MIA for a little while. I have. Uh, grad school's hard and it sucks the life out of you. Um, and it also sucks every hour of the day uh, yeah. away from you. This is true. This is true. Uh, free time is hard to find. Speaking of free time, that's yes. what we're going to talk about today. Not free time, but... Yeah, the absence of time. <laughs> just time. But time in general. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about how time... What it is, even. How we perceive time. Some neuroscience about time. And how it can... How, you know, it kind of affects our mental health and everything. But it sounds like you've had not so much time recently. Let me tell you, I've had a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you think it's just been crazy busy. I really have no clue what's been going on. I mean, not much. Like, I mean, there's like personal stuff I'm dealing with, but like also, grad school. Like the grind has been on this semester with classes and stuff, and just like my my project, my project is taking off, um, which is good. But it also means that I also have to figure out how to manage that taking off with also the classwork that I need to get done, and then also the personal crap that i need to take care of my life time management you say yeah the time management's <laughs> very difficult um and i've had a difficult time with that um <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm saying time too much and i'm getting <laughs> oh, really self-conscious oh, there's a lot more we're gonna say a lot more times don't you worry man um but yeah today i actually uh accidentally slept in slept through one and a half of my work meetings <laughs> so that one and a half did you make it to the second half of one of them i did were you like which is hey. always awkward because yeah. i'm like i'm awake <laughs> now oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry you bleep that out did you stay up late the night prior i did i was up till i think three or four a.m working because i'm trying to get this like piece of code to work and it's just not working and it's very infuriating <laughs> But hopefully I'll get somewhere soon. But I was up really late, and then I was supposed to, like, do a presentation at one of these meetings, but <gasps> obviously... Yeah. Oh, I, no. Yeah, I, like, I really dropped the ball today. <laughs> Is it the one you missed? Yeah. Well, no. So, it was the half one? It was the half one. And so, obviously, I didn't present still, because I showed up half an hour late. Um, hey, well, your body needed it. It it did. And I, I don't think my PI is upset at me, which, thank the Lord... He's good. a great guy. <laughs> okay, good. But, like, still, uh, yeah, I really dropped the ball. Did you talk to him about it? No, I haven't yet. And actually, that's what woke me up. No, my four alarms didn't wake me up. Oh, no. What woke me up was um, a Slack notification. I'm like, I woke up, I was like, oh, message me a Slack like this early. And I look over, and it's 11.30 a.m. And I'm like, oh, my God, Paul. I completely slept through my first meeting. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That at least he checked on you. Yeah, yeah. So I popped into the meeting. But, geez. Damn. I drop the ball there. That's all right. We can all drop the ball sometimes. Yeah, it is all right. It's you know, okay. that's it what does, basketball's all about. You drop the ball, you pick it right back up. Over and over again. It's called really a dribble, fast. baby. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are actually required to drop the ball. You or are required. Yeah, literally, you'll get you'll get a penalty if you do not drop the ball here and there in basketball. Yeah, basketball. <laughs> Look, I know sports. Sport. I do sports, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I do sports. This is episode 14, which is pretty cool. 14, yeah. And I think, I feel like 14 is good, but I feel like 15 will be a, like a really cool milestone. Yeah, I mean, but I, another cool milestone that just we recently hit was a thousand listens. Oh, yeah, yeah. We oh, had yeah. a thousand people listen to us, or at least, you know, so, there's a thousand plays. So just a, a huge thank you to everybody who's listening. Yeah, for I, real, I, thanks, I guys. appreciate that. Oh, also, I have another update. I yeah. just hit my brain. I don't know why I haven't told you this yet. Um, I guess this is also kind of related to time and... Thinking about how long this past year has been oh, yeah. with, like, we, we've, so we're we approaching a year since U.S. national You mean five lockdown. years. It's been about five or 20 years, or a hundred or a thousand years, it I think. It feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, awesome update is I was able to get my first dose of the vaccine. I have it. I got it on Friday. You bastard. Yeah. Good for you, though. Uh-huh. How did you feel? Um... My arm was a little, was significantly sore uh, on Friday night, but uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, like I, I was good by the next morning. When are you scheduled for your second dose? So uh, my the vaccine I got was the the Pfizer one, Pfizer BioNTech, and so it's scheduled three weeks from the day okay. I got it. So cool. So you're a couple more weeks, and then you'll be on your mm-hmm. second dose. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it literally like two days before my birthday <gasps> and so that means i yeah we'll see how that goes that's kind of fun i've heard well, a lot maybe. like some people have like really like the second one like you kind of like feel bad because like you yeah. got a lot of that stuff in your body and like your immune system's wrapping up from it and so awesome. hopefully it doesn't hit me too hard on my birthday but congratulations yeah I, I am so beyond excited that i'm gonna have it that really is cool and johnson i was johnson just gonna say yeah just got approved just for recently. one dose Cool. Yeah. So that'll. Yeah. So, but that also, I guess, on the topic of time and perception of time, like it just like made me think that like it's been a year. Um, <sighs> yeah. It's, it's been a year, but it's also insanely crazy that like within a year, like we went from like going into like a national sort of lockdown on this to having a vaccine. In less for than it. a year, I, I now have a vaccine of a novel yeah. virus. I. Yeah. In my arm. I don't understand. I don't think that people actually understand how wild that is. That's actually so crazy and so cool that we live in a time that that's even possible. Because a year is short in science. Very, very short. Super short. Yeah, let's do it. Paul, what are, uh, what are a couple things that you think of when you think of the passing of time? When I Get think creative. of the passing of time? Yeah. Like the phrase, a passing of time? Like... No, <laughs> I immediately think of the Bible in a weird way. Oh no! <laughs> like ancient ruins. Like. Actually, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah Religion's pretty ancient. Mm-hmm. Um, some are. That's true, but I was kind of more thinking like on a day-to-day basis. What are some things like for me? For here's an example to get you kind of like thinking about it. Like the position of a shadow on the ground exhibits the passing of time, or at least from an hour-to-hour basis. Or oh, see, mold yeah. growing is like the my, passing. My of brain time. isn't that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Or, like, whatever. I have examples here, I think. When I hear the passing of time, I think, like, you know, like, throwback to, like, high school, sitting in the back of the classroom, ah. staring at the clock, waiting for the bell to ring. Interesting. And it not ringing. <laughs> oh, I have that written, actually. I have that somewhere in my notes where it's like, hey, if you... <laughs> and it actually came from my thoughts in high school. It's like, I remember hearing the longer you look at a clock, mm-hmm. the slower it becomes. Yeah. Or, or as the clock... As the second hand comes back up to the 12, it's like the closer it gets to the number that you're waiting for it to get to, it's mm. like it you perceive it getting kung, kung. Interesting. Kung, or like, like slower. The, the old saying, a watch pot never ah, boils. I have that right here! Oh my god. A <laughs> watch pot never boils. <laughs> I don't know where I have it because I have a lot of little notes here, but I do, yeah. <laughs> um, but funny that you mentioned the passing of time, you're going, you're going back in your, your head to memories... And I was kind of thinking, like, mold, shadows. Mold would be days. Shadows would be hours. I was thinking aging, which shows years. Oh, yeah, I guess that's you know? <laughs> obvious. <laughs> no, but obvious, but at the same time, not maybe not everybody thinks of time and biological. You know, I'm a biologist, so I think of, I think of biology. So I do have a question for you, Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul Aroni. <laughs> it's been a while. Since I use that one, Paul Aroni. Paul Aroni. I don't like that one at all. And uh, you said the same thing the first time I said it. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever. I think like of macaroni. Oh, you know, no. I think of pepperoni. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's the same exact back and forth that we had the first time. Probably. I wish I could look because I deleted all my files on my computer. But um, I really, and on a side note, I really am disappointed about that because I wanted to make like different cuts of the episodes, and now I can't. But it's okay. We'll do that for these. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm not sure if you're prepared to, to answer it. Maybe you are more than I am, uh, because I'm not prepared to answer it. But Hit me. When is now? When is now? Ugh. When is, or when is your now? Oh, such a good question. My now um, is some number of milliseconds in the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a better answer than I would, I would come up with. Okay. It's a pretty solid answer, actually. Like, humans rely on their visual perception a lot, obviously. We're very visual creatures. Um, And, I mean, as somebody who studies the visual system, I understand that there's a time delay between the time that a visual stimulus hits your eyeballs to the time that it even gets to the early visual areas. And then there's obviously even more processing before it hits, like, high-order cognitive areas or whatever you want to call it, whenever you have active perception. Um, And so... When I perceive a visual stimulus, there's clearly a delay between when I'm like consciously perceiving it versus when it hit my eyeballs. So, um, my now is a few hundred milliseconds before it actually is. That's pretty solid because that's actually an entire concept that I have for us to talk about. The fact that different sensory modalities bring information to our brain at different times and you just chose visual visual sensory the visual sense um vision vision vision, <laughs> vision <maybe>. um <laughs> i'll give you the cheers to that, that. <laughs> yeah, thank you yeah so that's actually definitely going where, what we're going to talk about but yeah i feel like um after hearing that i totally agree if if you were to ask me what my now was before yeah, hearing me, your let answer let me ask you what's your now i don't know 
my now is like everything that ever was and everything that ever will be. No, I don't. You know, I, I actually see into the future. <laughs> so my now no, well, is minutes. <laughs> no, so I kind of think that is part of it. I do think, so I do do a lot of predicting. I think everybody does a lot of prediction. But I think, I think everybody, I think everyone does by prediction default. all the time. I do. I think so too. I think too. that's how the brain works. But I think in a lot of scenarios such as a social scenario since i'm a very social person as i'm speaking i am starting to predict how a person will react and how a person might start to think about something and then i'm already preparing my next response yeah but you're also predicting when they're going to end their sentence right and you're starting yours immediately afterwards and there's almost zero delay true like in fact it's one of my biggest pet peeves when people are like you're interrupting me and i'm like i'm not interrupting you this is how a conversation works. You stop, and I start. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, th- this is completely aside from the topic of today, but, like, um, I had recently learned about, um, uh, what's it called? There, so, like, in, apparently in Jewish communities, this is something that I wasn't aware about before, um, there's, like, a linguistic phenomenon, I forget the exact term that it's called, but it's essentially, um, they interrupt each other on purpose, but in their yeah. sort of like in community, it represents um, like an engagement in the conversation with one another. Right. That's kind of how I feel about it in general. And so if like two individuals are like having a conversation, they're both engaged, you'll often see them interrupting one another. But uh, if, if one of them wasn't interrupting the other, it would almost be perceived boredom. as like boredom or not engaged mm. at all. Or like you, yeah. don't, you don't even want to talk. I don't know why that's Jewish or Amish or whatever you said. You said Amish, right? No, Jewish. cut that out. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> man. Like I, I said in Jewish community. No, it's Jewish. Some Jewish okay. communities. I don't know why that's... What's... Jewish is not Amish, by the way. No, I know. I just <laughs> didn't remember what you said. Well, I don't understand really why that's considered a, specifically a Jewish community characteristic because... Well, that was just one example that I heard about. Okay. Well, that's awesome because I do agree with that. And I think that kind of what we're doing right now like you just said mm-hmm. oh that's one example because you cut in because you're like engaging in the conversation and the content that we're talking about i don't know i always grew up thinking that like if i interjected or interrupted somebody it was just completely perceived as rude and so i will always om- almost always unless like i feel like a piece of information that i provided like it didn't come off come off clearly and i need to like correct or adjust for that um but other words Otherwise, um, like I, I, I will never interrupt somebody because it just feels like I, I like I don't want to impose or like I don't want to, I don't know I don't want to be perceived as rude, obviously. And I think that's what makes the podcast fun because we have to actively give each other time to speak. Yeah. So I listen to you, and you just continuously interrupt me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. I mean, he's not wrong. Um, uh, listen, sometimes I have to stop you. Okay, we're not going to talk about space time the whole time. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, I, I do, I think that's actually a really cool whole other thing. Maybe we can go into it more in the future with like social dynamics and perception and yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But maybe, for instance, to bring it back to time, maybe some people have a different now or a different version of when is appropriate to, maybe it's not interrupting in their head, but maybe it's when's the appropriate time to engage in the next part of the conversation. Because everybody converses, but there might be different latencies between how long you wait until somebody stops speaking and then when the next person starts speaking. I know some people who straight up start speaking in the middle of somebody's word. 
you know, middle of a sentence is different because you can't always tell in, in verbiage when to, whether or not somebody's done talking, especially if they're speaking in complex sentences like I'm doing right now. <laughs> 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 but I don't know, maybe some people think, hey, let me get my entire thought out before, you know, give me five seconds of silence before you start talking. That's when I'm done. And maybe in my head, I'm like, anytime Five seconds would be an awkward. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there who want an awkward amount of time before, I don't know, according to when people are mad at me. Anyway, okay. Maybe we can kind of go over into the neuroscience of time since we're talking about perception. And Paul, I kind of already talked about the sensory modality of vision mm-hmm. <laughs> that, uh, you know, it takes time. Do you want to kind of maybe explain that one more time? You know, we're going to go into the neuroscience now, but Paul, do you want to, for, for people who don't really think of neuroscience, yeah. do you want to explain like why it takes time for, for things to get to our conscious perception? Definitely. I can do that. All right. So, uh, I can give the example of, uh, mouse vision, uh, <laughs> since that's what I'm most familiar with. Um, I, I don't know how it translates to humans. Um, I imagine it's probably very similar. Um, but the idea is that, so... All right, so light, light information hits your eyeballs, um, goes through your eyeballs, goes through your pupil, and onto the back of your retina. Uh, your retina is the first area of your visual system that um, processes visual information. Um, and so uh, the photoreceptors uh, turn that light signal uh, into um, a signal cascade that uh, goes through multiple layers of synapses between different neurons at different points. So the retina projects to a region in the middle of your brain called the thalamus. Um, the thalamus, you can kind of think of it as sort of a relay station between a bunch of sensory, uh, different sensory systems. Uh, it basically all runs through the thalamus. Um, but from the thalamus, a lot of these sensory pathways, including vision, um, there's uh, an, another set of synapses from one neuron to the next that will go to the, the cortical area that's primarily responsible or primarily encodes that uh, information for that sensory system. Um, and so you have these layers of synapses at different areas. So you have uh, a couple synapses in the retina that then you have uh, your optic nerve, which goes back into your brain, uh, that goes to the thalamus and then it synapses onto more neurons. And those neurons project to the cortex and there's more synapses there. But each of these layers of synapses, it takes time for the signal to transmit across and it takes time for the signal uh, in these neurons to uh, propagate down the axons of these neurons to the next. Um, And so in mouse vision system, uh, I believe it takes roughly 100 milliseconds. Oh, you know the, the particulars. Yes. That's kind of cool. Well, I, I can explain how I know that, too. Okay, yeah. Um, so it takes about 100 milliseconds for information to get from the eye to get to the visual cortex. Um, so, like, it goes from the eye to the thalamus to visual cortex. It takes about 100 milliseconds or a tenth of a second. And one way that I have personally measured that is we can train animals to detect a visual stimulus, uh, train these mice to detect a visual stimulus, um, and so obviously that visual information that they're detecting um, goes into their eye and goes through their thalamus and goes to their visual cortex. Uh, and we can record the responses in visual cortex. Uh, but then what we can do is um, 
we, we train these animals to detect visual stimulus and we measure their reaction time and when they respond. Um, and a well-trained animal detecting just like a flash of a, a visual stimulus on the screen, um, the reaction time for the animal to respond by either lifting, lifting a lever or licking uh, takes about 200 to 300 milliseconds. That's after like a couple of weeks of training. But uh, maybe one thing that I've described before in the past with my research is that uh, I tried to train animals to detect optogenetic activation. So I guess call back to one of our previous episodes. Um, so there's an opsin expressing in the visual cortical neurons and you can apply light and directly stimulate those neurons. And so uh, we can train an animal to, instead of detecting a visual stimulus, detect the optogenetic stimulus. So detecting the direct activation of the neurons so in V1. Much. It this is a lot. Maybe this is a No, it's awesome. It's just, so much, it's just so crazy <laughs> that you can even have them detect light on their f***ing brain. But Sorry, on their brain. Wow, go on. Yeah, but, <laughs> but what's interesting is that as soon as you transfer these animals from detecting the visual stimulus, which gets to visual cortex and then projects to higher order areas that lets them actually like behaviorally respond. If we just train by directly activating the neurons in primary visual cortex, you see their reaction time drop by about a hundred milliseconds. That's crazy. And so that is roughly the time delay of the information that's going from the eye to visual cortex. Oh man. Okay. I didn't even really follow that until the very end. I have a degree in neuroscience, so you should definitely re-listen to that if that if you weren't able to follow that. That's actually wild. Basically, by cutting cutting the path shorter, yeah, just they react faster. Putting the information higher up the hierarchy of processing. Crazy. Yeah, it's super crazy. That's actually really cool. Um, Shit. And for humans, I th like obviously the brain in humans is a lot bigger than a mouse, uh, but. I think the number of synapses to go from the eye to the, the primary visual cortex in humans is roughly the same. And so there's something I think I call myelin sheath, which on long axons basically allows the signal to propagate much more rapidly. Um, so I think the time delay in humans to get from the eye to the visual cortex is roughly the same. Wild. I don't know if that's been directly measured. Um, I'm sure you could measure it behaviorally in some way. Yeah, I feel like also we might have the same number of synapses, just longer neurons, but I think it would be so minute, like the speed of electricity a couple feet longer wouldn't be, wouldn't be, you know, make it so that we are super slow, even though that could, you know, contribute to the fact that smaller animals like flies or mice have way faster reflexes than we do while they're moving. But also just to go back to what Paul was saying, every time you hear synapse, which just as a reminder, that's that's like a gap between one neuron, which is a brain cell, to another brain cell. And in between that synapse, there's an electrical signal that goes down one neuron. And then the synapse is where a chemical signal is sent. And the chemical signal is sent to the next neuron and translated into another electrical signal, which is then sent down to another synapse, whereas there's another chemical signal and another electrical signal. And the way you can kind of think about that is that like if you ever if you've ever seen a relay race, like sprinters in a relay race on a track team, they're running, 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 running really, really, really fast, and then they have to get to their next partner, hand off the baton, and then the next partner has to start and get going. So it's kind of like even though generally the team is constantly moving, 
there's a speed up section and like a little bit of a slow down section and a speed up section, a little bit of slow down section. And I'm pretty sure it's well known that electricity is much faster than chemistry than chemicals. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can just think of every time there's a synapse, it takes a little bit more time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and just to call back, like the reason when you asked me the original question, when is my now? Like that, that's what sort of informs my perspective of when my now is. My now is roughly a few hundred milliseconds um, before I'm actually perceiving it because it takes that long for that information to propagate back to my visual cortex and then further on into when I actually perceive it. I like that that was your answer too because I don't do visual research and I've never done any sensory research really. Mm -hmm. But when I started to look into time and stuff, that's pretty much where everybody starts. They're like... It takes a long, it takes time for things to come in and then to affect your brain and then to get to the higher order and then to get to the higher order regions where you actually perceive it. So that is kind of taking us into, you know, what we're going to talk about next, which is, which is just the fact that sensory modalities in general. And when I say that, I mean, you know, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, seeing, they all take a, a certain amount of time to get to our brains so that we experience this, but they a lot of the time take different amounts of time to do this as well. Different sensory modalities? Different sensory modalities, okay, yeah. Okay, so, so I think I know what you're about to reference, and it's the video that I showed you, um, which talks about uh, like I, I, watching somebody dribble a basketball oh, yeah. to go back to basketball. <laughs> no, I did forget about that, but that's exactly I was going to talk about auditory and visual. Yeah, yeah. That, that was such an interesting... Uh, little demonstration that i had never seen very, before very because that not only is is that like differences in how like the timing of perception because uh actually i guess we should describe the video first yeah why don't you tell me what it was about so basically it was the idea of like when you how your brain lets you perceive different sensory stimuli that technically occur at the same time but that you like objectively perceive or receive that information at a different time, such as watching somebody dribble a basketball at some distance away from I think from it was 100 feet. Was so, the, so was the yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, so the, the thing is, is that, like, you see somebody dribble a basketball, the light reaches your eye far before the sound reaches your ear because the speed of light is much, much faster than the speed of sound in the air. And so the idea is, how does your brain make you perceive those two things happening at the same time. Um, and so uh, what, what was very interesting about it that I had, I had never seen this demonstration before um, is that it's that what Jeff just referred to about a hundred feet away is sort of the threshold where you start to perceive those two things happening at a different time. Like your brain knows or like, like the perception of the distance that the person is away is actively affecting your perception of the timing between different things so that you can like gauge distance in a way like it almost lets you me measure distance by like or by the delay looking at the delay yeah. between visual information and auditory information but like up to, like just before like 100 feet like you'll still perceive the sound and the vis like the visual information of somebody dribbling a ball on the ground at the same time, but as soon as they sort of reach that barrier, you start to perceive it as their delay. Like you see them dribble and then you hear the sound a little bit late. And I think that this is probably for most people very, very hard 
to, if you haven't seen a video like this before, it's probably very hard for you to imagine what we're talking about. This will actually be one of the things that I include on the Brainy Days website. So brainydayspodcast.com. We'll put this video up there. There's a lot of other really cool things in there. I can put the timestamp or whatever of the basketball thing, but they have a very clear visual. Uh, they have a very clear video of somebody bouncing a ball, backing up, backing up, backing up. And you still see the ball bounce when the person bounces the ball because that's when they're doing it, basically, because light travels very, very quickly. But sound does travel at a significantly slower speed than does light. Yeah, but what's so what's even more interesting about this demonstration is that it doesn't even have to occur in real life. Like we we were literally watching the video right. of this demonstration, and, you could see it, and yeah. you, that's still the perception. Agreed, that you, agreed. You get from it. The video that we're referring to is actually called "When Is Now," um, and it's posted by an awesome science channel um, that everybody should check out called "It's Okay to Be Smart," uh, which <laughs> I love. Um, I think it's sponsored by PBS. You could probably check it out on YouTube, I assume. It's on YouTube. Yeah. A YouTube channel. Uh, definitely check it out. I think th- this video, uh, I think, was some of our inspiration for making this episode topic. It absolutely was, honestly. Um, it it's was... just a re- really cool video. You should check it out. It actually gets into the, the physics and then gets into sort of the, the perception side of things. Yeah, it's really awesome. It actually reminded me of this meme that I saw once, and it was like, I actually just saw it a couple days ago. It was after I saw this video. Did I save it? Hold on, let me look really quick. <laughs> I think I did save it. Oh, no. Okay, let me just describe it, though. Memes are never that good when you describe <laughs> them, but this one I think you guys will be... Uh, it was a famous artist. I forget who it was, but it was a person who who was talking to another person who had a mask on their face, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, hey, astronomy, why do you always wear that mask? And the mask said, space is cool. And then the person lifts up the, the mask, and then under the mask on his face it says physics, and then he puts it back down and he goes, let's keep that on there. <laughs> And that reminded me of that whole video because that entire video is about physics, but it's really, really cool. But you have to really be engaged in physics to kind of understand what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really funny to me. Uh, But yeah, I think the most interesting thing about this video, uh, as it relates to the question, when is now, is that um, it's trying to give a perspective on, like, if your brain is somehow shifting the perception of when auditory versus visual uh, information is uh, being presented to you. Like, do you actually have an accurate assessment of the present time um, if, if your brain is just changing the perception of all these things so that they occur at something that's expected or predicted? Um, and that, to me, is just super interesting. Going on to some more, a little bit more, we're not going to go super into it. Maybe, maybe another time. <laughs> but... You know the Mosers. The what? The Mosers? No. No idea what that is. So my my Brit and Edward Moser. I don't know if it's Edward Edward or Ed, Edward. 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 Uh, it's, it's a V, it's not a W, so I don't know if it's pronounced like a W or a V. It's funky. What is it? Is that German? I would assume it's German and if it's a V, it's almost definitely pronounced you, Edward. Do you know my Brit Moser? May Britt Moser. That sounds familiar. She and Edvard. Edvard. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, these are the scientists that discovered play cells, which are cells that fire. So basically, you can imagine if you're in the corner of a specific room, these cells fire. And then if you go to the opposite corner in the same room, 
these other cells fire. Basically, they discovered that specific cells fire for specific locations in an organism's environment. But Jeff, huh. I thought the hippocampus was for short-term memory. <laughs> First of all, long-term memory. <laughs> and a million other things, but yeah, you're right. No, short-term memory. Well, I think it's a little bit of both, but it's definitely also long-term memory. No, I know. I, I just think it's funny how there's like two whole camps of neuroscience that when they view the hippocampus, they look at two very different things. One is memory and one is place cells. So though, it turns out that that same group, the Mosers, along with... Uh, I forget. It's actually, I believe, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Jorgen. It's a J with like an O with a cross through it. Jorgen. <laughs> Jorgen. Sugar? Sugar? It's like spelled like sugar. Sugar? Would it be sugar? Okay. Jorgen sugar. I don't, I don't know. But they discovered that the, the physical place cells were in the medial and terrenal cortex, which just think of that as a random part in the brain, deep in the middle of the brain. And they discovered that there are these cells that react to a specific time that a stimulus is presented just in the lateral entorhinal cortex, which for any of those of you who are listening that aren't neuroscientists, it's a very small distance away from the same region that they found was incorporating information about space. This is one of the first times in neuroscience that they actually think is proving time in the brain. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, so they say. Okay, yeah, I'll need to take a look at that article. And maybe we re can record a little follow-up. Yeah, we can do a follow-up. I'll see what I'll include in that. Maybe I can show, I don't know, that we're, like, kind of not sure. But another another biological and neurobiological thing, before we get into some mental health about time, is the fact that our circadian rhythm exists, which is, you know, the biological clock. That's actually what it's called in science, our, our biological clock, our circadian clock, that helps us tune to the length of a day, which is interesting because it shows that the biology of a human and of many other animals has adapted to our solar environment, basically, our like planetary yeah. and solar environment and the relationship between our planet and the sun. We have reflected in our biology being like, okay, every... 12 or so hours we change our activity both physically and mentally yeah yeah i mean i think that's the that that's the driving force like behind biology and evolution in general yeah is that whatever whatever is in our environment is what we're going to adapt to to use to be better species <laughs> yeah like directly relevant it's just like we are a product of our environment that's like a really good example of how we're a product of our environment. Yeah, and and pretty much before we go to mental health, which I guess this could kind of actually, this could be our our segue into mental health. Um, it's kind of talking about emotions and how they contribute to our perception of time. Mm. So I don't, you know, actually Paul and I didn't really talk about this at all. We kind of did our own separate personal research before recording today. But I mean, to be frank, I didn't do much. I looked at that video that I recommend everybody watch. Okay, true. <laughs> but first of all, you found a video I didn't in the beginning. <laughs> so that was more than I provided. Well, I've subscribed to the channel and the video came out like three weeks ago. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> they <laughs> so did the work for me. For a while. Well, okay. So could you, talking about kind of emotions and so mental health and emotions, when I was looking at the very few research papers that are out about time in the brain and time perception in the brain, 
one of the things that they talk about in this one paper I found is that it's very common and kind of accepted now that there is this distortion of time when we experience highly emotional events. Yeah. So, so such as like, I think they're called flashbulb memories. Okay, I don't know I, if you've I, ever I, heard I, about I, that before. And flashbulb memories are basically just any time there's an emotional event or a historic event that's happening that's really crazy, such as like 9-11 happening, for instance, or, you know, JFK's assassination. When people saw it on TV, they perceive time as happening more slowly because for some reason in our brains, we just take in this information, which you can consider the oddball information in a, in a sequence of regular stimuli that is so out there, so crazy, so different that our brain is like, wow, we have to soak up every single minute of this. Or a car accident, for instance. If, if you've been in a car accident, you've experienced some form of everything was so slow. I remember every single detail, even though it just actually happened in less than a second. I only know from this from a very, very sort of vague and I guess also anecdotal experience. And one right. thing that I heard when I was younger is that like, as you get older, the number of like life-changing significant moments in your life decreases in frequency. So when you're like growing up, there's all these like huge things that like you're experiencing and learning. And so it seems like time like takes much longer. Like, like the perception of time between these huge events was like, was much longer, I guess, in the perception of it. Um, but as you get older, like huge life-changing events happen less and less frequently. Like there, there's still stuff like going on, like maybe you moved locations or you got a new job. Yeah. And, and so like, as you get older, like while obviously like objectively the, our measurement of time, more time is passing. Um, the perception of that seems less like I think one thing you mentioned earlier in the podcast podcast is like a year in science is almost nothing. It's like, yeah, just because like True. we're at the grindstone all day, like doing the same thing day <laughs> in and day out. That's a good point, actually. It's like, of course, it's going to feel like nothing because like not much is changing. Like it just flies by. But but it, it, it's weird because like I've always heard this and like I get it. Obviously, like the time between like when I was five years old and when I was 18 years old feels a lot longer than the time since I've been like 27 and about to be 28 versus when I was 15. Like, yeah. That time feels like it's flown by. Every year it feels like it's flown by faster. Mm, true. But like if, if the the theory of the intuition there is that like because less big things are happening, it feels like time's flying faster, then why is it when I'm sitting in a room for an hour, if nothing is happening, it feels like it's taking forever. But if like I'm active and doing something, it feels like it flies by. Like, it's sort of like the opposite sort of intuition, maybe. So we've talked a lot about what time is and a little bit about the neuroscience of time. It's actually pretty all over the place. There's not very many solid things you'll find. There's a lot of really fluffy, vague content out there. But it's very interesting. It's just we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what we've talked about is the perception of time. The perception of time, yeah. Um, and I think the conclusion is that uh, your perception is a lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a lie yeah. from a biological perspective, for sure. And flashbulb memories are basically just any time there's an emotional event or a historic event that's happening that's really crazy, such as like 9-11 happening, for instance, or, you know, JFK's assassination. When people saw it on TV, they perceive time as happening more slowly because for some reason in our brains, we just take in this information, which you can consider the oddball information in a 
in a sequence of regular stimuli that is so out there, so crazy, so different that our brain is like, wow, we have to soak up every single minute of this. Or a car accident, for instance. If you've been in a car accident, you've experienced some form of everything was so slow, I remember every single detail, even though it just actually happened in less than a second. And as for a quick kind of way we can relate time to mental health would just be kind of maybe time management. A lot of grad students, a lot of everybody has to experience some form of time management. I do think grad students, it's one of the, the many important skills you learn in grad school. Yeah, if you haven't learned it by the time you start, then you will have learned it if you came out on the other side. Yes, absolutely. Time management was something I don't think I really had down until I was done with graduate school. Yeah, I mean, I still don't think it, I have it. I have it down. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like an ever grow. It's like it depend since your life changes, your time management kind of always changes. Yeah, but also I've just always been bad at it because I mean I think it's a factor of like some of the like intense insomnia that I've had in the past. Like, mm. it, it's hard to manage my time when I don't know how tired or, or how awake right. or ready I'll be the next day. And I, I like, have to, I basically have to calibrate on a day by day basis. And yeah. So. And it's funny cause me and Paul are like always trying to battle time management in general when we try to record these episodes because yeah. we both have our other lives outside of rainy days. And it's really hard to a find time for ourselves to record each separately and then to align that with each other to actually sit down and do it. You yeah. know, yeah, it does get challenging. And I think it's important to also, we didn't really talk much about this. I think we'll probably talk more about this in our in our memories episode in the future, how our brain is kind of a time machine and how we can go back in time and re-experience to things that we've already done. I don't know if you'd like the way that that's described, but that's <laughs> no, kind I mean, of how a lot of, fine. it's like a popular way to describe memories. I mean, I, I actually don't know much about the literature and a surrounding long or short-term memory at all, really. It's very interesting. I mean, a lot, a lot of it, again, is very, very, very fluffy. There's a mm -hmm. lot of quote-unquote hard evidence on memory, but... I mean, I mean, yeah, like the obvious early uh, ablation, whether accidental or not, um, right. experiments. Ablation is like when you just like rip apart a part of the, the brain and then... Yeah. see if animals remember something that they learned before but mm -hmm. there are obvious <laughs> downsides to, to that since everything works together in the brain yeah or i mean like even like the early case studies with humans who like maybe had like really bad epilepsy and had a piece of their brain removed um and it like helps with their seizures but it also affects their like memory and functioning and right. some strange capacity no definitely i think that that also just emphasizes the fact that the brain in general works so much within itself. It's not just totally compartmentalized for specific functions, but I don't know. It's always kind of gauging functionality from other parts all the time. And I think it's important also to remember that we do tend to live in the past or the future. And a lot of the times everybody's like, you know, live in the now, blah, blah, blah. And it, as corny as it sounds, it is important to just kind of, you know, take a minute, be mindful, look look around what's going on, feel how you feel, acknowledge what's happening, but yeah, I mean, don't there, get to... There's like a whole area of like mental wellness called like centering. Yes, like yes. Being in the present and like yeah. 
being in touch with your environment because I, I feel like that's a I mean maybe this is a tangent but it's a, it's a huge aspect of mental health because so often when you're depressed and anxious and I'm mostly speaking from experience here um, is that like you start to feel very disconnected whether that's socially or just in your environment in general and like being able to center yourself and like just sense the environment around you this is starting to sound super hippie no i love it i'm actually really into it. <laughs> it, it it's like been a big it's been a big part for me and like trying to feel more grounded and more like more present like more in the moment like be more present totally yeah like I, i'm trying not to be so abstract but like i think people get what you mean though yeah like it just makes me feel like i can do the things i need to do because that, that's where I am. Because like, you're here. Well, yeah. Right. No, totally. And I think we all get caught up in setting goals for ourselves that are so far in the future. And that even when we achieve those goals, such as me, I've been looking forward to finishing grad school for actual years of my life. And now I'm done. But, <laughs> kind of done. <laughs> I mean, I am, but who knows if I'll go back. But I'm done with the goal that I set for myself. But, you know, I'm still thinking, now what? Now what? Now what? Now what's next? What's next? And it's okay to take a minute to, to sit back and realize, okay, everything's good at the moment. Anyway, that's just a way for us to relate time back to mental health and how we can, you know, apply the general sense of time to the way we generally perceive our lives every day. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we <laughs> discussed a lot. Yeah. It was very good. There was a lot. We can definitely get more into de- into the nitty gritty details about some more time science in the future. Yeah, I mean, also as listeners, let us let us know what what parts you like more. Do you like us being a little more vague in general, um, like just trying to like discuss the topic at hand, or do you like us getting really into the nitty gritty? You know, let us know. Funny you say that though, because I've gotten some feedback on both ends. Yeah, I've gotten some feedback from my science friends, which say. Uh, it's, it's it's kind of a little too fluffy for me, but sometimes it's sciencey. And then I've gotten feedback from my non-science friends who are like, "Wow, sometimes it's way too much for me, but but other times you bring it back and it's good." So I feel like that's a good balance. But yeah, definitely, please let us know what what you all think. Um, we're gonna get back on top of coming out with these episodes, and we have plenty more to come out with. We're gonna start. Should I talk about brainy days, brainy bits? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna start doing these shorter episodes that are probably gonna be between. 10 to 15 to 20 minutes long they're going to be called brainy bits and that'll be a little bit of either going back into previous episodes or doing talking about new content but in a very short succinct manner so that you guys can kind of you know pick and choose what you want to learn or what you want to hear about and uh we're going to have some of those coming out soon in the meantime feel free to check out the website www.brainydayspodcast.com that has all of our social media on it if you want to check out Instagram, it's brainydays.podcast. Twitter is brainy underscore days. And I have kind of some plans to start a TikTok one of these days. I think that TikTok. would be kind of fun. Are we going to dance? I don't want to dance, but I think it'd be cool to do little videos. That's that's still in the pipeline. Okay. Maybe we get children interested in the brain. <laughs> the 13-year-old Gen Zs that are all interested. But anyway, go check those out if you get the chance. If not... If this is your 14th episode, thanks for keeping up with us the whole time. If yeah, this was your, one of your first episodes, then feel free to go check out some of the others. But I am Jeff. And I'm Paul. And this was 
our 14th episode of Brainy Dizzles. Brainy days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. All right. Talk to you all next time. See you.